life is full of interruptions. Whether big or small, we've all experienced disruptions to our rhythm of life from time to time. It might be difficult to see at first, but what if those interruptions set our lives on a new path? A new way of living, a new way of loving and leading. No matter what circumstances you face, God uses life's interruptions to bring about unexpected purpose and blessings. A life interrupted should be a life embraced, not escaped. What the world sees as defeat, we see as opportunity. For God makes all things work together for the good of those who love Him. Well, good morning, everyone, and so thankful for you joining us today, wherever you are, whether you're in your living room, maybe you're still in bed, maybe you're you know, out about just getting a walk and you're watching us online. My name's Tim Homa, and I am the campus pastor at the Richmond Rosenberg campus of Sugar Creek. And uh, this week, you probably got some information about our church and where we're moving in the next few weeks. We had hoped that on August 2nd that we were going to be able to resume meeting in person, provide some types of support in our childcare and our student ministries, but unfortunately, this COVID thing will just not go away. And so we as a team made some wise decisions this past week to kind of put that off for a time being. And that includes, unfortunately, us opening up our Richmond Rosenberg campus on August 23rd. But here's the good news. When we're able to get back together at the Missouri City campus, at the Sugarland campus, when we're able to support numbers of people walking into our church and being back in attendance and having support from our childcare, that's the same day that the Richmond Rosenberg campus is gonna open up. We're gonna open up three campuses all at one time when we're able to open the doors and have people come back. And that is gonna be an incredible day. So hang in there. I know it's a world of craziness that's going on, but is going to happen and it's going to be tremendous. The building is absolutely stunning. Well, we're in the third week of Life Interrupted and Pastor Libman started us off the first two weeks and I want to start this morning's message by quoting something that he said on week one. And this is what Libman said. He said, interruptions are not obstacles to our plans. They are opportunities for us to fully embrace God's plan for our life. Interruptions are going to happen. That's a guarantee. They're going to happen and they're going to redirect and they're going to change our plans and they're going to move us all around in different areas. When we least expect it, interruptions drop in on us. Something, somewhere, somehow, it's going to happen. But here's what I can tell you. It's not what we do with the interruptions. It's how we handle the interruptions. Because they're coming. Interruptions are coming. And the best way to handle them is by being disciplined. Disciplined and centered on God to handle those redirections in life. Well, this morning I want to start off by talking to you about the word discipline. Now, it's not a popular word. And if you are a teenager or a child and you're watching this right now with your mom and dad, you're like, yeah, I hate that word, discipline. Man, I hear that word all the time. So you gotta be disciplined. You did something wrong. It's not a popular word. And I get it. I don't like it as much as you do. But discipline really is a good thing. Here's what discipline is. Discipline is about setting boundaries, training ourselves to live within certain walls, certain restrictions, certain behaviors, so that we can have a certain result. 
A few years ago, I invited a friend of mine to participate in a triathlon. I was 49 years old. I had never done a triathlon before. I had to really do research on what a triathlon was. And my friend took me up on the challenge, but he had never done one as well. Well, if you don't know anything about a triathlon, it includes three things, running, biking, and swimming. Now, I don't mind running. I love the bike and I love to swim, but I've never done all three of those at the same time and complete them for a, in a competition for a certain time. So I had to do some research. I had to figure out how would I be able to prepare myself to do this triathlon because I know that I would not have been able to do that by just showing up at the triathlon and saying, yep, I'm ready to run, I'm ready to bike, and I'm ready to swim. I can do this, I got this. Well, online I found a 12-week novice training program, one that would take me through 12 weeks of training and prepare me for the day, the race day. Now, in the midst of that 12-week training, there were interruptions. There were things that were gonna get in the way, potentially get in the way of my training. But I, know, I knew that I had to discipline myself. I had to be centered on the things that were important that were gonna keep me focused on completing that task. So when the day came that I was ready for that run and that biking and that swimming, I could complete it. And my goal at 49 years of age at that time was to not stop at all. I didn't care about the time. I didn't, compare, I didn't care where I placed. I just didn't want to stop. And so I stayed disciplined. No matter what happened in my life, I still stayed to the training so that I was disciplined. And I did it. At 49, I was able to do it. See, when interruptions occur, disciplines keep us focused on the most important thing. That's God, spiritually speaking. So when you learn to manage those disciplines, your life changes. It's kind of like natural disciplines, eating right, exercising. If you do those things well, your life changes for the better. Now, there's also these things called spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are things that are not as common as natural disciplines. See, we as Christians, as believers in Jesus, sometimes feel that if we just pray, God will take care of everything else. God will just step in and do the things that we need that are necessary. But to be honest, that's not true. That's not how it works. There are things that you are required to do. There are some disciplines that need to happen in your life. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the importance of spiritual disciplines in our lives and how important they are when it comes to the redirection when God intervenes in our life. Because if we stay disciplined, we can stay on the path that God has set for us. Donald Whitney wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And he shares the importance of spiritual disciplines. He says, the Bible describes two kinds of discipline, both personal and interpersonal. One is personal and the other is interpersonal. And you are called by God to pursue both of those disciplines. The first one is what you do by yourself. It's how you grow by yourself in the quietness of your own world. And the other one is what you do with other people. Here's what Donald Whitney has to say about spiritual disciplines. The only road to Christian maturity passes through the practice of spiritual disciplines. The only road is through spiritual disciplines. If you don't do those personal disciplines in your life, certain things won't happen. For example, personal disciplines of prayer, journaling, meditation are just some examples of spiritual disciplines. 
These are things you do personally. But then there are some things you do with people, like, like for example, what you and I are doing right now. We're having a conversation. I'm speaking to you, you're listening. It's an interpersonal interaction. God describes for all of us the importance of interpersonal relationships. You were never meant to grow alone. Nowhere in scripture does it say that you are to be on the path that God has for you by yourself. It's never meant to happen. You're supposed to be with other people. They're supposed to encourage you and help you and help you grow in your walk with God. Let's say that I want to be a doctor. Okay, so I go online and I read books about being a doctor and I go to YouTube and I watch some videos about being a doctor and I come to you and I say, hey, I can be your doctor. I can give you a health check. I can take care of you. You'd be like, you're absolutely crazy. There's no way I want you to be my doctor. You've not had anybody train you and, and show you what it means to be a doctor and you've never been under someone's care that's a, that's a great doctor because good doctors take up residencies for years and they learn under great doctors so that eventually they could become good doctors and great doctors themselves. You would never come to me. Well, that's the same thing when it comes to having someone in your life. For 30 years, I've had the same guy in my life, a guy that I love to death. He's one of my best friends in the world, and he has spoken into my life. He knows everything about my life, the good, the bad, the ugly. He steps in, he speaks truth, he moves me, he motivates me, he encourages me, he celebrates with me, he keeps me accountable. He steps in and helps me to grow. And without him, I would never stay centered on the path that God has for me. So when interruptions would come into my life, if I didn't have him, I could easily go off the, off the deep end and crash and burn. We've got to have people in our life. We need spiritual disciplines in our life to keep us centered on who God is and keep growing in our walk with him. So this morning, I want to take some time and I want to list to you, list with you um, some spiritual disciplines to walk through eight different categories of spiritual disciplines. Now, we could spend eight weeks looking at each one of these, and we could take an entire 35 minutes and talk about each one of these. But I'm gonna briefly go through these eight, and then I'm gonna talk about how do we continue to practice those spiritual disciplines and the three steps that it takes to keep those eight active in our lives when it comes to the redirection of our life. All right, so we're gonna dive right into it. Here's spiritual Discipline number one, Bible reading. This means that you have to have so much of God's word in your life every single day. Like eating healthy foods, like exercising, you just spend a certain amount of time getting into God's word. I call it my chair time. Every morning I sit in a chair, my dog lays right next to me, I open up God's word and I dive into God's word. For the next 15 to 20 minutes, I'm absorbing what God is saying to me. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit because I know the importance of Bible reading. I know that if I stay disciplined, and one of the great things about the app that I use, it has a um, how many days in a row that I have been going to that devotion or to that passage of scripture. And I'm a competitive person. So I want to keep right on track and keep that number going higher and higher. So I try to do that because I know the importance of reading. You see, growing Christians, growing Christians who are open to the redirection in their lives will spend time in the Bible reading a passage of it. You know, pondering what it means and looking at it, thinking about its meaning, because the Bible gives insight and understanding as we discover more of who God is and what he's like and how he deals with us. This book is powerful. It always produces results. And when you read it and when you gather together with someone who's passionate about teaching it, you can't help but be moved. 
and grow closer to God through it. So spiritual discipline number one is Bible reading. The second spiritual discipline is the discipline of prayer. And this is what we do every single day, whether we're getting in the bed and thanking God for a great day or we're waking up in the morning and thanking him for a night of rest. Maybe it's when we're jumping into the car and we're on our way to work or to school or wherever we're going. We're like, God, just be with me as I go about my day. It's waking up in the morning and just having that conversation with God like you would with your spouse. See, I love talking to my wife. My wife loves talking to me. We love each other. We love being in dialogue with one another. Well, that's the same with God. God loves us and we love God. and We want to have a conversation with him. That's prayer. But discipline of prayer means that we are always in conversation. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, pray without ceasing. In other words, don't stop praying. Don't stop talking to God. He loves talking to us. He loves us being in dialogue. And we've got to have that in our life. The third spiritual worship uh, discipline is the discipline of worship. Now, this, is, this isn't just singing songs or raising our hands in worship. That's part of it, but that's not all of us. Many of us can attest to the fact that sometime while we've been sitting in this auditorium, while Pastor Mark or another teacher has been teaching, or a song, a song is being sung, and even though there are hundreds of people literally sitting around us, or maybe just your family sitting around on your couch right now, you had a private, powerful stirring in your spirit where you were connecting with God through worship. God was speaking to you and he was moving you. And at the end of the service, when someone was closing in prayer, you said, I am so glad I watched church this morning because I couldn't have had this powerful interaction with God through worship except in this context. The point I'm making in all of this is that it is the, in the heart and the soul of all of us and what it means to grow as a Christian is that you just tend to emphasize the string of those interactions that you have with God, those moments of worship between you and God that causes you to grow closer and closer to him. So when redirection happens because of your worship and your trust in God, it's easier to handle the directions that, you're lead, that God is leading you. The redirections come easier because you are worshiping and trusting an incredible God. All right, the fourth spiritual discipline is the discipline of evangelism. And right now, a lot of you just heard evangelism. Like, nope, it's not me. I can't, I don't, I don't know how to share Jesus with people. I don't know where to point people in the Bible. I don't know where to go. That's okay. This is discipline. These are things that we learn. We have the gospel conversation training at our church that we offer throughout the year, and we're going to be doing that again when we're all meeting back. And this helps people be able to engage in conversation. But it's just not always in conversation Evangelism is how you live your life. It's your behavior. It's your words that come from your mouth. It's your way of thinking. It's your way of living that is indicative of your relationship with Jesus. It drives people to Jesus because of how you live your life. And we begin to practice that because God designed all of us to share his love with other people. The fifth spiritual discipline is the discipline of service. You have to be a person who serves. So where do you spend your time? Where do you use your gifts and talents? Because as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in God, you have gifts and talents that he has given to you, that he wants you to use for his purpose and his glory. And this is a great opportunity to practice discipline. This isn't a just show up one time when there's a need. You know, one event you show up and say, I served, I'm good, I'm done for the year. It's a discipline. It's something we practice on a regular basis. 
Some of you are serving in children's ministry, our parking team, our guest services, in student ministries, leading a connect group. Being a part of that is a discipline. You do that on a regular basis. It's something that you get into a rhythm doing and it becomes a natural outflow of who you are as a growing follower of Jesus. The sixth spiritual discipline is the discipline of stewardship. This is where I manage the things in my life. It's not just the money. We hear stewardship and we think automatically it's the money. It's not always the money. It's how we manage our time. It's how I manage my life as a pastor, my life as a father or a husband. I have to manage those things in order for my life to be in good rhythm and moving in the right direction. Think of it as like a tire on a bicycle. If one of those spokes, one of those spokes is out of whack. If it's bent or broken, it affects the whole spin of the tire. Well, when I steward my life well in all those areas, the wheel spins smoothly and I can ride the pathway of life pretty smoothly. But when one of those is out of whack, it affects the whole flow of the bike. So when we're stewarding, we've got to make certain we steward all areas of our life well and we've got to manage it as best we can. The seventh spiritual discipline is one that I lump three things together. They kind of all fall together. It's fasting, silence, and solitude. Fasting includes silence and solitude. You've got to have those pieces there. So let's talk about fasting. Instantly when I say fasting, you think, well, that means I'm going to give up food and I'm going to give up water. And that means if I'm the hungrier I am, the thirstier I am, the more happy God is. That's not the case. It's not always about food. It's not always about beverages. It could be simply you need to fast from your phone, fast from the internet, fast from a relationship. And here's what I can say about fasting. Fasting is giving up something to make yourself available to hear from God without distractions. You're removing the things that could be a distraction from hearing from God. Now, fasting isn't something obviously you would do every single day of your life, but it comes in the rhythms of your life. It comes in the seasons of your life where you truly need to hear from God. Maybe it's a career decision, a relational decision, a financial decision, where you center on him and him alone. And that's where you get the silence piece of the spiritual discipline, where you silence everything. There's no TV, there's no music, there's no sound, there's no one around you. You're in solitude now. You maybe it's taking a walk, being out in the woods, being on a boat, wherever it may be, where you can get alone and be quiet. And you're fasting and you're listening and you're in solitude and you're hearing God's voice. And that's a discipline. That's hard to do. But if you practice it and keep practicing it and try it in small little spurts and then you grow it into deeper times, you can really truly hear from God. The eighth spiritual discipline is the discipline of journaling and meditation. Do you journal? Do you write? I would call journaling my most consistent inconsistency. I have a journal, I have many journals, but I have one that I, I can get active in right now. And I could write and write and write and then I'll take a season off. I, I'll be honest, this is not a strong discipline in my life, but I know the benefits. I know that when I journal, when I write out my prayers or I take a passage of scripture and I write it out or I have a situation going on in my life and I write about that situation, I spend time meditating. Now meditation is not some mystic thing out there. Meditation is looking at, pondering, Lit reading, praying through what is on that piece of paper and listening to what God may be saying through the words that I've written down. Journaling is that thing that helps us and helps us grow. It's, it's the practicing, it's writing down our thoughts. It takes time and I don't know if you've ever journaled, but I would encourage you to try it. 
to just open up a notebook and write your thoughts down, write your prayers down. God can really speak to us when we journal and when we meditate on his word. So those are the eight. Those are the eight disciplines. And so why are these spiritual um, disciplines so important in handling the interruptions of life? What I can tell you is this. When we practice these disciplines, they keep us centered. They keep us centered on God. And here's a good illustration of that. I lived in Colorado for a number of years, and I used to drive up to the mountains. And when you drive up to the mountains, there's some S-curves and winding roads, and a lot of those roads don't have guardrails. And if I was to lean to the left or lean too far to the right, I could easily go off the end of that road, off the cliff, and to intimate doom. But when I stayed centered on the road and I stayed focused on where I was on that road and stayed in the center, I successfully got to my location. It's the same thing with spiritual disciplines. When we're spiritually disciplined and we're doing the things necessary to grow closer to God, when interruptions happen in our life and when redirection comes into our life, we're able to stay centered on God and no matter where that path takes us, we're centered and we can trust God that he will show us the path and we'll be right in line with where he needs us to be. When life suddenly goes in a different direction, we're prepared through the spiritual disciplines that we are practicing. Those eight are what I would consider preparation for life-changing, redirecting changes in our life that come from God through his intervention. There's some biblical examples of redirection. In Acts chapter 9, we find a guy named Saul. Pharisee Saul, who uh, loved to persecute the church because he had an obsession with his religion. (laughs) However, Jesus had different plans for Saul. When Saul entered Damascus, he was Saul, but when he left Damascus, he was Say it to me. Say it. Paul. Exactly. Saul never imagined that he was going to become a brother to the people that he persecuted. There's a great principle to learn from this passage of scripture, which is that at any time, any time, God can redirect your life without your permission. He can redirect your life without permission. Saul never expected to be Paul, but the Lord had other plans for him because he wanted to make him one of his own. In the Old Testament, we have a story about Joseph. Joseph loved the Lord. Joseph had loved his brothers. He had a bunch of brothers, but one day he was a brother. The next day he was being sold into slavery. And he goes off into slavery, and while in slavery, he continued to be disciplined in honoring God. His choices that he made still honored God. Even when he was pressured to walk away from his faith in God, he chose to honor God, and God honored him, and he went from being a slave to being the third highest position in all of Egypt. Moses went out to be a sheep herder, even though he um, had all the rights to the crown of Egypt. But when he found out that God had called him to lead millions of Israelites out of Egypt, God had to do some work in Moses' life. So on the backside of 40 years in the desert where God had to break down the pride in Moses, Moses then was able to walk in and humbly follow God and become disciplined through those 40 years. And some of us are right now being disciplined by God. We're going through those tough times and where God is disciplining us and he's molding us and shaping us for what it is that he's leading us to do. And we can apply this principle to us today in these modern times. We must realize that as followers of Jesus, He still maintains the right to redirect our life at any time without any warning. He really can. If he sees us getting too comfortable, he brings brings us out of that comfort zone. And we know that when God takes us out of our comfort zone, he expands our comfort zone so we can handle more later on in life. 
Sometimes God will shut the door behind us. He doesn't try to do that to be a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't try to take away things that we love because he's got another plan for us, a perfect plan for us. He does it to redirect our faith from the earthly things back onto him. And sometimes we become so eased at life. We get comfortable and like, man, life is going so well right now. It's so good. I can just coast every day. There's no struggle. There's no pressure. And when that happens, I don't know about you, but sometimes I tend to neglect God. I forget that he's out there because I'm just kind of going through the motions and it feels good and it's comfortable. I'm like, God, you're good. I've, I've got this. I've got this. But God wants us to realize that we are his children and that we're not to forget him which can be so easily done in this world. There's another reason that God made to redirect our path and it has nothing to do with an easy lifestyle. It has to do with God sending you on another assignment. The Lord may have you in a situation to reach a person or persons for Jesus and when you've done that, he's ready to move you on to the next assignment. You gotta get you ready to do that. And I've heard for so many people over the years that I've been in ministry where people have come to me and say, hey, we're moving, Tim. And be like, where are you going to? God's called us to a new state to a new job, to a new opportunity. He's called us to another church. He's called us to a new area of life. And I believe when those people have said that to me, it's because those people stayed disciplined and they were centered on God's path. And when God redirected their life, they were ready for it. They were ready for the next assignment. Sometimes a person may lose a job and instantly we think it's because of the evil corporation or I was, I was shortchanged in opportunity or I, there were favorites and they didn't like me. Let me tell you this. As followers of Jesus, people who trust in God, God's the only one that can hire and fire. God's got plans, and when we trust him, his plans and his direction, redirection are perfect. As a Christian matures in their faith, God begins to assign different and more difficult tasks. And sometimes we wonder why we just can't run into the people God wants us to, uh, you know, to have those deep conversations with. Why can't they just drive behind us and see our bumper sticker that we love Jesus? God reminds us in Isaiah chapter 55, verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my way, says the Lord. And during the time he may have us out of work, some of you right now may be out of work, and he's testing us and growing us and stretching our faith beyond our established comfort zone. This is a good season to really put our trust and faith in God. And so when the iron is hot again, he then molds us and prepares us for the next assignment that he's gonna put us on. And then when we're ready, he opens every door of opportunity to that assignment. So with all that being said, I wanna now share with you three ways and finish up this morning talking about three ways that will help us persevere with the spiritual disciplines. If we keep these three roles centered in our life, the spiritual disciplines will play themselves out and the redirections of life will be easier to handle because we put our trust in God. So here's number one. The first thing that we need to keep in mind is the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays a role in becoming a spiritually disciplined person. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. What this verse is saying is that when your Holy Spirit is in your life, there are certain things that are not in your life. There are certain things that are missing. When the Holy Spirit is active in your life, you're not as fearful. And one of the results, one of the things that happens is, is that all of a sudden you become more confident. It's a natural part of your life. When the Holy Spirit is active in your life, when the Holy Spirit is the center of your life and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you don't operate in fear. 
You don't operate in anxiety or nervousness, but you operate out of love and of sound thinking. That is the result of being a person that operates in spiritual disciplines. There are a lot of people today who have a lot going on. Anxiety is high, nervousness is high, worry is high, stress is high. Have you ever wondered how they got to this point in their life? Have you come across those people that you just think they're going to go nuts, that their head's going to explode at any moment because they're just overwhelmed with all the things going on in their life? They go to church every weekend. They're Christians. They're Bible-believing people. But how has their life gotten out of sync? Well, I think maybe it's because they're just not living with the Holy Spirit as the center of their life. They're not giving him the freedom to reign in their life. They've kind of taken over the throne of their own life and not allowed God to be there. You know, God, the Holy Spirit is that private movement that goes into your heart and mind and challenges you and pulls apart all of those things that aren't right. So the first thing in redirecting our life is through the role of the Holy Spirit. The second role is the role of fellowship. You must understand the role of relationships. The, re the fellowship with believers is very important in order to stay spiritually disciplined. I respect studying by yourself. I, I, I respect those who do their word, do due diligence, and they get in God's word, and they pour into it and learn and grow from it. <clears throat> but there is something about interacting with other people that changes us. 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says this, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Notice first what John says. He says, I want you to have fellowship with us, to have a relationship with us, to, have, to be in friendship with us. And then he says, then as a group, we're going to have this incredible relationship with God. What John is saying here is this, you can't have a relationship with God and not have fellowship with others. And you can't have fellowship with others and not a relationship with God. Those two go together. That is the personal and interpersonal relationship of God that changes our life. It is redirecting your life toward growth and life change. Dedicated Christians have learned that some of the most powerful times of personal interaction with God has come in the context of community. Growing Christians who are open to the redirection from God have spent week after week, year after year in connect groups, caring and growing together. That's the role of relationships. And finally, we must understand the role of struggle in Christian living. It's not just the role of the Holy Spirit. It's just not the role of fellowship, but it's also the role of struggle. Now, this one can trip you up a little bit if you're not careful. Because the bottom line is this, you are going to have tough days. You are having tough days. We are going through tough times and tough days. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Let me say this, although rest and trust are core values of the Christian life, so is discipline and struggle. Discipline and struggles are a part of your growth. Striving and struggling, all of this is a part of the growth process. It plays a role that God has in our life. It's a part of his discipline. But I'll be honest, I'm, I don't like this one. I don't like the role of struggle. And I'm just gonna be transparent. I would like it to be easy. I would like at some point in my life to be easy because my life hasn't always been easy. It, it just hasn't been 
I want a season where I can grow without having to struggle. I would imagine that many of you would like to go through a time in your life where you can grow without struggling. You know, I would love to tell you that money has come easy in my life. I would love to tell you that my marriage has been easy or being a parent has been easy or being a pastor has been easy. It hasn't been. But if I look at the writings of Paul, a lot of his writings has, was to help people understand that struggle is a part of the spiritual journey. And if you run from it, if you run from the struggles, you'll never get to the place where you need to be. Did you hear that? You'll never get to the place where God wants you to be if you run from the struggles in your life. 1 Timothy 4.10 says this, for this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. For this end we both labor and suffer. It's a part of the journey. Paul knew that. It was his missionary focus to help people understand that suffering is a part of the journey. He knew we cannot get far unless we deal with the challenges and the struggles. So what is your struggle right now? What is it that you're going through that you're ready to just kind of throw in the towel, cash in the chips to walk away from? What is it that you're trying to get out of? What is it you're trying to walk away from? Because you think, you know, that if, if I could just say one prayer and God could step in, then my life would be better and then the struggle would be gone. Or if I just was able to ask for one person to pray for me one time, that it could get me out of it. That's not the case. Got to engage with God in the, in the aspect of our struggles of life. We need to. We have to do that. And that's what makes everything different in our life. Well, let me end with this uh, final thought. This is where the rubber meets the road for all of us. I look at my life and I, I kind of see where I want to be, if I wanted to be someplace. But if I was to look at my relationships, and I'm not doing too well in those relationships, if I'm not doing too well in personal growth, if I've got habits that I'm still hanging on to that are keeping me in bondage, I want to wonder why that is. It's because I'm not spiritually disciplined enough and there are some hard things that I need to face Maybe this morning you're there also, that you're just going through some tough times, your relationships aren't where, they, where you want them to be, there's some habits that continue to, to knock you down from left and right, and you know, you're just taking swings left and right from the habits that are holding you bondage. Sometimes we need to face and come to understand that we can't change ourselves. And if I'm not spiritually disciplined, if I'm not reading, if I'm not praying, if I'm not worshiping, if I'm not serving, if I'm not being a good steward, if I'm not meditating, I'm not living these dis disciplines out, I will find the redirection of my life more challenging and more harder than it could be. I might even fight the redirection or go in a completely other direction than the one that God wants me to. But here's the truth. <laughs> you can be in church your whole life and never change. You can read Bible verse after Bible verse and never change. The key to change is saying, I want something different in my life. And then yielding your life to God, yielding your life to spiritual disciplines. Not just one prayer meeting, one time, somehow thinking that it's gonna change everything. It won't. You will be the same person. It's not that simple. It's about spiritual disciplines disciplines. Redirection is a good thing. Struggle is a real thing, but spiritual disciplines, like I trained to be disciplined as a triathlete, a triathlete. 
I had to do certain things on a regular basis. I had to get disciplined in my life to be able to compete. The same is true in our walk with God. Friends, you just can't expect one prayer to change you. You can't expect one passage of scripture to change your life and keep you growing and handling the interruptions of life or the redirections that God has for you. It's about being spiritually disciplined. So where is the Holy Spirit nudging you this morning? Where is he pushing you? Where is he showing, putting a spotlight in your life where you need to be more disciplined, more focused? I'm praying that this morning that many of you that are on the path with God, that you're not near the edge, that you're not ready to go off the edge. I pray that this morning that you hear the spiritual disciplines and the importance of them in your life when it comes to redirection that keeps us centered on God. And I pray that this morning you will take the steps today to become more spiritually disciplined. Would you pray with me? God, I pray this morning for those of us that are here at church. We're watching from our homes. We're with our families. And Lord, we are uh, listening to you. Lord, thank you that you've given us spiritual disciplines. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us examples for us to follow. Lord, we know that ultimately we want to be in tune with you. We want your Holy Spirit to have have his way in our life. We want relationships to be healthy and encouraging and accountable and pushing us and supporting us. And we want to understand and embrace that struggle is a part of the journey, that that's where you're showing us where we can trust you and lean on you in the midst of our struggles. God, move us to be closer to you. Help us, Lord, as redirection happens, that when interruptions step into our lives and the redirection occurs, that we are ready able and accepting of that redirection because we're centered in on you. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.